Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Of the Doctor's Companion, I'm Scott Corelli, and, I, and I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And we're from uh, MindRubber.net, the home site of MindRubber Productions, where apparently we laugh. I don't know why, but okay. My name is Elder Price, <laughs> and I would like to share with you this book of Jesus Christ. Sorry, sorry. Uh, book of Mormon. That's the first line of Book of Mormon. So. Okay, <laughs> and exactly the way that you said it. <laughs> all right all this uh, and more you can find on the mind robbers ladies <laughs> and you can <laughs> find uh podcasts about doctor who like this one or other podcast our flagship podcast the mind robbers where we talk about everything else uh if you like our shows please review them uh don't base them on this intro please uh and uh <laughs> review those on itunes because that helps us out uh, and if you have questions, comments, concerns, or any other sort of cool thing you might feel like sharing, you can email those to podcast at net. Or if you want to start a discussion with us and other listeners, then you're going to want to go to the comment section and leave a comment and start one. <laughs> Matt, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, today we're talking about Remembrance of the Daleks. Also, uh, this, uh, you know, in most cases, Remembrance would be our, 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 our main event, our, our main course. Uh, but I think in this particular case, because our Series 5 revisit is the Pandorica Opens, uh, and, uh, the Big Bang... I feel like it's going to be more of... I think we're getting two main courses here. Um, <laughs> it's one of those times where you go to Subway and you get two sandwiches. You know yeah, what I mean? <laughs> yeah, just a feeling I'm getting. Just a feeling I'm getting. Uh, but Remembrance of the Daleks, uh, it's probably important for some reason. Why don't yeah. you tell us why? Yeah. Uh, well, it's a Dalek story, so it's the return of the Daleks, and it's the return of Davros, which, I mean, spoilers if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because they're just like, eh, Davros is in it. Why not? Um, no, no, remember to the Daleks, it's the first story of the 25th season of Doctor Who, so this is the Twilight era of Doctor Who. It's the second McCoy season, um, uh, written by Ben Aronovich. As his first story, he also did Battlefield, directed by Andrew Morgan, who directed Time and the Ronnie, of all things. Um, And it's the kickoff to the 25th anniversary season. And the idea behind this one was uh, Nathan Turner, because it's the 25th year, wanted to do something that was really celebratory. So he wanted to bring back the Daleks. He wanted to bring back the Cybermen. The Cybermen get their own story in Silver Nemesis. This this is a Dalek story, clearly, Remembrance of the Daleks. Um, But but what, what makes it interesting is it actually goes back to November of 1963 to right when... 
Doctor Who actually started uh, diegetically and goes right back to Coal Hill School, which is the school where um, Ian and Barbara first met Susan and basically attempts to answer the question of what the hell was the Doctor doing there in the first place. Um, uh, as a story, it's one of the big ones um, in terms of the McCoy era. It's actually far and away considered the best story of the of the Seventh Doctor era. And while I don't necessarily agree, I find I like Curse of Fenric more. Uh, watching it, I am hard-pressed to find fault in the logic. Um, because uh, it's a hell of a story. Um, it's also interesting because this is the first introduction of this uh, battalion of uh, army folk, um, led by uh, Captain Gilmore. And the reason I mention that is because this story, just to give you an idea of how popular it is and how long-lasting the legacy is, Big Finish, the audio production company that we love that does Big, uh, that does Doctor Who audios, actually released a spin-off series of Doctor Who based on this uh, episode called Countermeasures, and it was basically just the adventures of this military brigade in the 60s dealing with alien invasions and such like, so like a 1960s Torchwood, um, uh, which is cool. And it was so popular that they actually managed to uh, commission a second series, which is in the works right now and coming out, I think, next year. Um, so it's kind of a big deal story, um, and uh, for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, like, from where we are now, this is pretty much about halfway through. Like, this story is um, as old to us as Unearthly Child was um, to this story when it aired. So, like, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so this is, like, because this is 25 years old. This is 25. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a doozy. It's got a lot to it. A lot of working, moving parts. Oh, it's also the first proper story with Ace. Ace was introduced in Dragonfire, but this is the point where um, Ace starts to become more, come more to the forefront as a companion, and it's also the point at which um, uh, Andrew Cartmel decide, Andrew Cartmel and Nathan Turner, um, as script editor and producer respectively, decide that they're going to uh, turn the show or turn the Doctor into more of a mysterious character after the last couple of seasons and years. They feel like some of the mystery. Um, has been missing from the character, so they decide. Oh, we're gonna introduce him as more of a more of a, 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 a mysterious, not quite so knowable figure, which is why McCoy comes off very enigmatic here. Um, also, uh, w- why he's as conniving as he is. This this is all born out of that desire, and this is really the kickoff to the grand chess master version of the Seventh Doctor um, <laughs> in a big bad way. Uh, a big, big bad way. So that's Remembrance of the Daleks. Uh, clearly a lot to talk about. Clearly. So. Yes. Yes. Uh, but before we start, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where you can purchase our Book of the Month, Black Sad Volume 1 by Juan Diaz-Canales and Juanio Gornito. It's available for sixteen forty nine, which is 45% off its suggested retail price of twenty nine ninety nine. Remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So go to InStockTrades.com, uh, buy stuff, buy lots of stuff. And they sponsor the show, so you should support them. Thanks to InStockTrades.com. So, Remembrance of the Daleks, uh, I have owned this for about a year now. uh, And have not had a chance to watch it, because I bought it blind. Um, I am glad that I bought it. Uh, (laughs) uh, It's, uh, I mean, it's really, it's got everything. It's, 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 it's got, like, it's the 60s it's it it ties back to the first episode ever 
It's got Daleks. It's got multiple multitudes of Daleks. It's got, uh, <laughs> it's got, it's got, uh, it's got my favorite thing I think in a while that I've seen in Classic Who, which is a uh, 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 drill sergeant. Dalek, like, which who of course turns out to be Davros, which I was actually pissed off about uh, when yes. the helmet came off, and I was like, oh, God, really, really? Yes, yes. I was like, that's not okay. I liked it better when it was Drill Sergeant Dalek, because um, <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, so I, you know, I, uh, I really like this story. Uh, I think I actually for for. Most of the story, like when you get the reveal of the little girl, I thought the little girl was somehow Davros. Yes. Um, and then and then it ended up being Drill Sergeant Dalek, which is basically the least interesting thing you could do uh, mm-hmm. at that <laughs> particular juncture. So you know, I I I I like it. I was a little disappointed by the end. Um, sure. the wrap up of everything, but I, I really, really enjoyed the ride. Um, and yeah, no, I could see why most people, they find this to be their favorite McCoy story. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do agree. I think there, there's at least one better, um, at least one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, I, it's, it's good stuff. It's great. It's great stuff. Yeah. See, it's interesting you say that because your sentiments echo my sentiments when I first watched this. Like, I watched this the first time and I was like, you know, I liked Ghostlight better. Um, uh, I don't think I still do. Um, but I do love Ghostlight. And I haven't seen Ghostlight. I think Ghostlight is honestly uh, this Doctor Who story I haven't seen in the longest amount of time. It's that or um, Five Doctors at this point. Um, but, but this... This story, the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, that was pretty good. And then I watched it again for the blog. And when I watched it for the blog, I was like, I was like, actually, this is really good. And then I got to the fourth episode and thought the fourth episode was a bit of a letdown. I didn't like the Davros reveal. And then it does some weird narrative things structurally that I don't yeah. I don't think are, are smart. And we'll talk about those. But watching it this time, I found myself very forgiving of those things, especially because I know it's Davros now. And I don't think that the Davros thing works. Um, I, I really don't. Um, I get why they did it um and i get that other people really like that reveal and i get that if you put it as the doctor and davros in this big sparring match at the end like i think that works the only problem is that it it, i don't think it's sufficiently set up um the the dalek emperor himself the the drill sergeant dalek as you call him uh is not introduced until the third episode um whereas i think you should almost put that out on front street in episode two um yeah please more drill sergeant dalek by all means Um, but but oh other than God, that, so funny. <laughs> but other than that, like you're right, I see the appeal, and I really like the appeal. I think that it's one of those stories that I always underestimate. And watching it again, I think that it makes almost all the right choices, especially through the first three episodes. Watching everything go down is thrilling and exciting. It's about as action packed a Doctor Who story as you get in mm-hmm. the classic era. There are numerous set pieces in each episode tons of firefights ace with a baseball bat like it's it's all over the place and it's never too confusing as to what's going on um the first time i watched this i was a little like wait wait what but now watching it again i'm just like oh this all works really well and benefits from multiple multiple viewings um i also noticed too this is our 
I'm not mistaken, I think it's our, is it our fourth uh, Sylvester McCoy story that we've covered? Uh, This Battlefield, Greatest Show, Delta and the Bannerman. I think so. Yeah. So having having seen four, uh, and I've also, I've seen Curse of Fenric, even though we haven't talked about it yet. And I've seen Ghostlight. So having seen all of these uh, McCoy stories, most of them at this point, I think, um, or at least half, uh, I find it odd that Russell T. Davies has never mentioned this era as a large influence for him because it really, his stuff really feels like a, just, just a slight evolution of this. Yes, um, it's so like of this era, like just the way that the doctor and Ace interact is very reminiscent of the way uh, the doctor and, and Russell T Davies companions interact. Mm-hmm. Um, like the idea of like, like, you know, when, when they first show up in the sixties and, and uh, uh, she's got that stupid boom box uh, and <laughs> because <laughs> it's the 80s um she's a stupid boombox and she's got this backpack uh that's loaded with stuff and he's just like what what do you what do you got in there do you what do you and he, she's like nothing i don't have anything in there he's like so you don't you don't have any explosives and she's like no <laughs> and then and then later he's like he's like he's like ace give me some of those explosives you don't have in your backpack <laughs> which is just <laughs> It's so it's such a funny line, and it's one that caught me off guard because it's it's a kind of uh, I guess sharp wittedness that you don't expect from classic Who. Yes, uh, and it's 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 very much like you can you can just see how Rose is an extension of this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think that that's the thing to take away from the McCoy era. And one of the things, like, when you look at people saying, well, where do you start? People, like, I guess the three options that you can throw at them are start from the beginning, <laughs> which is not that's something. not That's not the best option. No, it's not ideal. Um, <laughs> it's not <laughs> ideal at all. Um, I have a friend, actually, who uh, I, I've wanted to get into Doctor Who for a really long time, and I've mentioned it. I literally... I think since we've known each other, I've talked about it and he's heard me talk about it and he's wanted to watch it. So he started watching it. And this is a guy, he's a guy that's a really big fan of classic Trek. So he thought he could handle it. He's <laughs> starting at the beginning. Oh man. He is <sighs> not through Hartnell yet. No, well, no, I mean, but, <laughs> but, but he like, he has school. I've watched him on Twitter school people on early episodes. <laughs> <laughs> like on companions and stuff like nice yeah it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty nice. intense and i was like wow so eventually you will be a scholar yeah. but uh but it's taken him a while to get it, through it en- enjoy your freshman year bro um <laughs> no the the thing about the thing about what the thing about starting at the beginning is not only is it hard to watch but you also once you hit episode 14 you're slammed into a seven episode reconstruction um and then oh. once you hit yeah once you hit about season 3 through season five, you're basically watching half of those are reconstructions. So if I'm not mistaken, I don't think he's watching the reconstructions either, <sighs> either because he's not aware of them uh, or he's just kind of just shrugging them off and maybe he'll go back to them later, which is um, funny. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> well, it's funny because he's going to miss out on um, a bunch of good stuff like Marco Polo and Power of the Daleks and Evil of the Daleks. Um, anyway, so you right, started, but 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 man, I'll be honest. Reconstructions that is a that is a Who fans thing. It and is. He's, he's it not is. there yet. It is. It is. That's um, not something that he could handle. No. See, what I do for Reconstructions though is I just get them the mm-hmm. Audible version, like the audiobook, and just say, "Hey, just listen to this. Treat it like it's an audio play, and just go." Because certain things, like Power of the Daleks and Evil of the Daleks, I think do hold up in audio form. Um, uh, but that's just me. Anyway, so you started. You started an Earthly Child. Not recommended. Um, <laughs> not recommended. Uh, or you start at Hinchcliffe Holmes and start at Robot and basically just plow through. You know, the mm. best three years of Doctor Who. Um, or you <laughs> and start then at, be spoiled forever. Exactly. And then never come back from that. Um, or or you start here, actually. You start at Remembrance of the Daleks and watch the eight Ace Doctor stories. Um, and I think that the that while it's not my favorite option, um, I think it actually plays well. Because when you watch it, you do see that Rose and the modern companion is born out of the way that the doctor relates to Ace. Um, their their rapport is so unique and weird. It is very much like a a weird uncle, but also in like a friend way. Um, there is no like sexual romantic tension, but there's but also, also like a weird like uh, like you know it's it reminds me of like yeah the uncle thing, but but like the uncle that hired you for the summer, yeah. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of because you have – you feel like a, 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 a familial bond, but then you also feel like that's her boss. Definitely. Like Definitely. you feel like a business thing going on. So it's like – it's a couple of layers, but yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's totally – it's mm-hmm. a great relationship. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons why the seventh ace pairing is so perfect because – Aldred and McCoy have such a really – they have wonderful chemistry and they play off each other really well. But it's also – you know, she's getting away with stuff that other people wouldn't get away with. Like she gets away with calling him professor, which is just like her sign of respect to him. But it's also like kind of um, kind of rebellious because he's not. <laughs> and all those things – all those things really make the characters like work really well together. And I love the way that they play off each other and I love the way that – McCoy treats her and like there's this implication too, like in episode two when when the doctor goes off with the military and he says hey ace just hang here and don't show up like he has to know that she is going to bail like he hands her a magic baseball bat and says don't attack the Daleks and then walks off like, what's the first thing that she's going to do? She's going to go attack the Daleks. And, like, that's the thing about it is, like, he understands her so well that he can that he is able to manipulate her in ways that are not uh, good, I suppose is a way to put it. Um, he shouldn't be manipulating her in the way that he's manipulating her. But, it, it, it like, the, res- uh, your, uh, the relationship is amazing. Like, it's one of the most amazing things the show ever did in the classic run. Um mm-hmm. And we're also coming from it from a standpoint of what happens after the series uh, ended uh, with all the big finish stuff, which Mm -hmm. is so good. Yes. Uh, Like the – oh, my God. The seventh and eighth stuff is so good. (laughs) Um, So it's funny because, you know, at this point I have now listened to more stories with Sylvester McCoy than I think even exist uh, in video form. Yeah. Yeah. so it's it's interesting 
hearing their relationship and then and now seeing sort of the origin of it it's it's fascinating to watch because it's, for me. because it's evolved in audio but like when you see it you're like oh this is why everyone glommed onto this like this yeah. is why this is why the seventh doctor and ace went and did a whole bunch of novels in the virgin line after the show got canceled um the virgin doctor who novels like that was like the core relationship for years on that series and it's it's no surprise why that why that stayed there that said i don't think this is their best story together i mean that's why i think curse of fenric is better because curse of fenric is not so different from this story but curse of fenric also has like their relationship just taken to the ultimate extreme on television like it's just insane what they do with that story but watching it here like i love watching them play off each other i love the way that the way that they are partners in crime but also like he has this um he has this way of making her behave that's really interesting um like i mean take the open like the opening shot of them walking around where he's like put the boom box away that's ridiculous uh, is juxtaposed almost completely with the opening of episode three where he walks in with the rainbow gun and saves her from the Daleks um it's so it's so great how they have each other's back but also you know don't need to be in their in each other's way all the time Ace goes off and has her own story with Mike I think it is the love interest um which which we'll have to talk about um but I you're right I love their relationship it's so beautiful it's so wonderful um yeah love it love it uh, I also I I don't remember if you mentioned this. I feel like I don't think you did because you mentioned the Daleks coming back, but I don't think you mentioned that this was the last appearance of the Daleks until two thousand five. Yes, there is um, that. That's a long time. <laughs> <laughs> like when I I realized that, like I just saw this in the notes here, and I was just like, oh, yeah, this was the last time that they were uh, they were in it, and this was what was this nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, this is 88. 88. 1988, and they wouldn't appear again until 2005. 17 years. 17 years. Uh, and Davros, or Davros, wouldn't, Davros, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, Davros, you thank you. We had that one guy correct us that one time, and I've always been, like, second-guessing myself. And you know what? Um, it's stuck. It's stuck. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, da- Davros, he never, he has, he didn't come back until three years after that. So um, 20 years. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Not a good, uh, not a good story to go out with for the Daleks. Not great for Davros. No, not great for Davros. Um, <laughs> uh, no. And, and I will admit, <laughs> I will admit that, um, one of the things that I didn't mention in the background, but I think is really funny, is that Nathan Turner originally offered when he realized that he wanted to bring the Daleks back, he offered Terry Nation to write this story. But Terry Nation was living in California at the time, and Terry Nation said no. Um, so they commissioned Ben Aronovich to do it, and Aronovich wrote the script basically as it exists now with the big Davros reveal at the end of episode four, um, or about halfway through episode four. And, uh, Terry nation, because they were using the Daleks had script approval where he said, where he was allowed to give notes on Dalek stories, um, because he hated day of the Daleks way back in the day. Uh, he read the, he read Aronovich's draft and was like, I don't really like your use of Davros. You should really make him more important. And Nathan Turner was like, oh, sure, I'll go into it. And then never sent Terry Nation any more scripts, ever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is my favorite thing. Um, 
but yeah, so I, I guess let's talk about Davros because I, I don't know where else to come at from this for this story. Uh, it's a weird, like, it's a weird 11th hour thing to be doing. Um, yeah, no, it just, it feels completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And like like well cuz like i said earlier or alluded to earlier you know the reveal of of davros is just it just happens and it's a thing that's not because it's just davros and it was like oh the 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 drill sergeant dalek was davros the whole time he was just wearing a little helmet thing um and that's fine, but the problem was like through the whole story, they were alluding to the fact that there is something in a chair, and you're like, "Oh, well, that's Davros." And then there's this big reveal where it's this little girl. Well, how awesome of a reveal would it have been if that little girl was Davros? Like mm-hmm. that would have been so. And he's just like in a new body, and this is a new thing uh, mm-hmm. that he can do. Like that's that would have been that would have been messed up and awesome but yeah. instead we just get just another davros story yeah um which is just the least interesting thing mm-hmm. i think and i think that like part of the problem is also they don't use him at all like the idea is yeah. that that drill sergeant dalek is the dalek emperor so it's the davros masquerading as the dalek emperor but what the story does that's really interesting is that it puts it basically pits two two sets of Daleks against each other. You have the renegade Daleks, who are the traditional black and gray Daleks, and then you have the imperial Daleks, who are the white and gold Daleks that we saw last in Revelation of the Daleks, which is the sixth Doctor Dalek story. Um, and so you have the Doctor and the military caught up in the middle of what's essentially a Dalek civil war, which, I mean, as an idea, is incredible. Um, that it took 25 years to do that is is insane. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but so you have, like, you have those two tensions, and the idea is that you have these Imperial Daleks who are led by the Dalek Emperor, and you have the Renegade Daleks who are led by the Dalek Supreme. And that's an interesting dynamic. I love seeing, like, the Dalek Supreme, which is a very Terry Nation idea. The Dalek Supreme was basically in, like, uh, uh, Dalek Invasion of Earth and um, uh, the Chase and Dalek's Master Plan. And then you have the Emperor Dalek, which is, like, a Whitaker idea from Evil of the Daleks, which Terry Nation hated. But the problem is that, like, you... so. At the end of the story, you actually don't have the Emperor Dalek. The Emperor Dalek is actually Davros and has been Davros the whole time. So Davros is the Emperor Dalek. And now it's Davros versus the uh, this Dalek Supreme. Only they never get away with doing that dynamic. Like, the dynamic is always Dalek Emperor versus Dalek Supreme and then Doctor versus Davros. Which is interesting, but it doesn't, like... If you had the end of the third episode be, like, flip up... It's Davros, like, I would have lost my damn mind. Like, that would have been awesome. And I think that, like, I, I agree that the putting Davros in a little girl is actually a much better idea than what I had, but I like the twist that it's not Davros, because you're sitting there the whole time, you're like, oh, it's Davros, and it's not. It's a little girl. That's shocking. But I think that, like, there are just, like, it's just, like, a, just a slight, slight thing. Like, just bump up the Davros reveal. Make it the end of episode three. That would be really exciting. Um, and a great way to just be like, here we go. You know, because um, yeah. at the end, it just feels like, oh, by the way, you know, and it, it not just sort of way. teeters out. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. Now, I like the way the doctor tricks Davros into destroying Scaro. I think that that's really dark. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like, like stunningly dark. Um, And I like that. I just wish that they would had more than just the one conversation to go on. Um, 
because there's just it's almost like there's just too much going on in the conversation for you to actually process exactly what's happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even on multiple repeats of viewings. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mean, that's where I come down on it. Um, but he gets away, so yay. Um. <laughs> Um, I don't, I don't, is this, hold on, is this the, with the destruction of Scarrow, is this, this is the event that, that supposedly triggers the time war, right? In my version of Doctor Who, it's always this event that triggers the time war, yes. Okay, yeah. Like, like, this is the opening shot of that. Um. And it, and it comes at an interesting moment. There's this theory that a friend of mine have – a friend of mine and I have uh, that we were talking about years ago, which is that uh, for the first season, Sylvester McCoy is basically just dicking around. He doesn't really do anything. He's clowning. He's wandering around a bunch of places and doesn't really have a plan. All of a sudden, at the end of Dragonfire, he suddenly – I mean, not at the end of Dragonfire, but between Dragonfire and Remembrance of the Daleks, he sobers up. And the first thing he does is settles an old score going all the way back to his very first adventure. Um and uh, the question is, why does he go from being this clowny guy to all of a sudden this grand manipulator? Like, it doesn't really make any sense. And, like, we have this weird theory where it's like the Sixth Doctor saw something and, and like, engineered his own regeneration so that he could uh, be more manipulative to get out of something. The Sixth Doctor saw the Time War and then basically went out and started it um, in order to, to get it moving. Um, uh, it's just, like, this weird fan theory I have. But, you know, it... it, it it works. I never want them to do that on the show, um, <laughs> but it works for me. And yes, I do think that this is the first parting shot of uh, of uh, of the time war because uh, the obliteration of Scarrow is kind of a big fracking deal. Um, yeah, just, yeah, it's that's huge. What I was it's huge, um, and and one of those things where it's like I can't believe they're doing this um, at all. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yes, I consider this the first shot of the time war, but I mean, what's interesting is like, I mean, you and I, whenever we talk about Dalek stories, we're always like, oh, how terrible is it that they put Daleks in the title and they always wait until the end of the first episode to reveal the, that there's Daleks. Oh God, that's so annoying. (laughs) You know what this story didn't do? That. Yeah. And I, I love that. Um, (laughs) I love that you have this. There's this big set piece about halfway through the fir- this first episode where this Dalek is locked in a shed and the military show up and try to take it out. Um, and we know it's a Dalek and they just do a giant Dalek thing. And you're like, oh, that's cool. What are they going to do for the reveal? And the cliffhanger to this is a very famous cliffhanger where a Dalek basically climbs the stairs towards the doctor. And it's it's badass. Like, it's just like, oh, <laughs> snap. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a thing too that they brought back in the in Dalek, the two thousand five mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's it's that's good stuff. You said you wanted to talk about uh, Mike. Uh, yes, Ace's love life. Uh, this is not the first time a companion has had a love life, but I think it's the first time that like it ends in this really bleak way. Mike turns out to be this massive jagoff um, <laughs> who just like kind of betrays the, the Doctor and Ace and is working for the Daleks the whole time. And what I like about it is the way that it's given, like, real stakes and import. The end of this is actually very somber. It ends at Mike's funeral and the idea that the Doctor and Ace, like, are <laughs> just there. And she's just like, was this worth it? And the Doctor's like, yeah. 
And Mike is somehow in the skinniest coffin I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's a it's a slim jean. It's a slim jean that he wears. Um, they're just they're. It's like they're holding the 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 coffin sideways. That's how thin <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's it's very slight. It's very slight. They gotta like, fit it look. through the door. <laughs> they're like, look, we gotta bury this kid. Uh, but he betrayed us. So what do you, what do you, what do you got that's half off? <laughs> just like we have half a coffin. He's like, great. I'll take it. Yeah. We can dismember the corpse. That's okay. That's yeah, fine. It's fine. He's a betrayer. <laughs> you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have given a, a full, uh, a full casket to Benedict Arnold. And everyone's like, <laughs> Benedict Arnold is a national hero. And then he, and then uh, they're like, oh, oh, right. Sorry. I'm not an American. <laughs> Um, but yeah, <laughs> what I love about this is the way that like the end of this, especially with the ace story, I mean, it's indicative kind of of Curse of Fenric and where they go with that emotional realism. But like, there's a real attempt here to make the stakes matter on a personal level to ace. Um, yeah. so that, so that it's not just a big Dalek shoot em up. Um, which I really like. Um, I think that the final scene is remarkably well done. And I love that the doctor and Ace do not go into the funeral. They're just like, the doctor's just like, let's go. And you can tell that she wants to go, but she follows him because she knows like she's training to not be around. Um, And I love that. I think it's so remarkably well done. Um, And the mic thing, like it's, it's surprising. And I, I, I find fault with it. Only because the end of the story, I feel phrased narratively. Whereas I like stories that kind of coalesce towards the end. I feel like this story phrased off into different directions. You have the Doctor running off and dealing with the Dalek Supreme and Davros, then the Dalek Supreme, while Ace is off fighting someone else or fighting the little girl with the lightning hands. Um, and I think that if I have a complaint, it's that um, I'd rather see Ace and the Doctor together for the big finale of this big story. Um, but I mean, it's a minor quibble and something that doesn't really bother me now because the Dalek Supreme at the end is tied to the little girl. Um, but I love I love watching their relationship kind of develop and Ace going through the heartbreak. I don't think it's perfect, but I think that like given the time period of the show, um, this is like you know the late '80s. Emotional realism is not the focus yet. Um, I really like it. Um, I think it's really, really, really well done. And one of those things that is just like they're tr- they're just trying stuff with Ace, um, yeah. and I oh, I love that. I love that so much. Um, now. I don't I, I'm pretty sure that I'm correct on this. Uh but the hand of, of Omega, that's 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 a three doctors reference, yes? Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, that is I was watching the whole time, I'm like, man, they're referencing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it is. Um, and the doctor does explain like the history of Omega, where like he says Omega is the um is one of the Time Lord scientists who enabled time travel. But the hand of Omega is a new thing. That's an that's an idea that was created for this story to explain okay. what the doctor was doing in 1963. Um, but that okay. is a three doctors reference. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But they reference other things, too. But the thing I like about this is that it actually – it references a bunch of stuff without it actually interfering with the plot um, at all. Uh, they mention uh, the Yeti from Web of Fear. They mention um, yeah. Cybermen. They mention all sorts of stuff. But and, and the Imperial Daleks is a callback to Revelation of the Daleks and the Dalek Supreme is a callback to the Terry Nation stories. Um, I love that they reference those things, but those things do not – 
hamper your ability to understand them. You've never seen Revelation of the Daleks, but you're never confused about what the hell the white and gold Daleks are doing. You know what I mean? Right. And yeah. I, yeah. And I love that about this story. I love that. Um, yeah. Because all you need to know is that the hand of Omega is this dangerous, dangerous thing that can make baseball ga- baseball bats shoot glitter. Um, <laughs> that's all you got to know. That's all you got to know. Uh... Uh, real quick, the one thing I do want to mention uh, before I forget uh, <laughs> my favorite part of this whole story, and because it's just so wacky in the way that Doctor Who can be wacky, is when Ace and the Doctor encounter the first Dalek at the end of episode at the end of episode one. So they run outside, and there's this big military truck um, right there, and they're just <laughs> and the guy at the military truck is just like has this clipboard, and the Doctor's like, "Hey, w- w- we need your help." And the guy's like, "Special delivery?" And they're just like, "What's in the truck?" And the guy's like, "Anti-tank rounds." And <laughs> Ace and the Doctor are like, "Oh, good." They run to the back of the truck, pick up, the <laughs> pick up this rocket launcher, and the guy just is like, "Is like, oh, okay, all right." And the Doctor's like, "You're here to help us, right?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, just sign here." And the Doctor <laughs> and Ace. Pick up this rocket launcher and just the doctor signs for it. They run into the school and basically like just fire a rocket launcher at this Dalek. <laughs> I I I I love it. I just I can't get enough of the fact that they just pulled a rocket launcher off the back of a military truck and then <laughs> and then just like all they had to do was basically just initial here and they were just handed <laughs> a massive piece of artillery. Like that's just. that's why why i love doctor who no that's just that's why i love doctor who um oh the other thing that's weird about this story too is it starts it has a cold open yes yeah it has a cold open of the imperial dalek mothership like approaching earth um i like started and i was like um what's going on (laughs) (laughs) this is not what (laughs) <laughs> What's yeah. happening? It's it's uh it's weird, and I still don't understand why. Oh, something else too, and I know we already talked about Davros, but I forgot about this, and I just saw a picture of him in this story, and I remembered. Let's talk about the black Kool Aid mouth because <laughs> that is disgusting. Yeah, it's a really gross. <laughs> it's really gross. I, just, oh, I don't – is this the only time that he has that? No, no, no. That's actually a, a, a Terry Malloy Davros thing. That's the way that Davros looks in uh, this story, Resurrection and Revelation. Um, the mask has changed slightly in each of them. Um, but I, as far as I remember, he always has black Kool-Aid mouth, and it's really creepy. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's super gross. I don't think I've seen any of those other ones. I've you, only seen you, this one. You haven't. That's the fifth Doctor and sixth Doctor. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. So Dog I haven't stories. seen – I have not seen uh, Black Kool-Aid Mouth before now. Yeah. Well, uh, enjoy it because it's coming back in a big bad way for those that stories. That is gross. <laughs> it's like reverse blackface. Like I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I don't know what? if that's – I don't know if that's accurate. I'll be honest. Isn't it? Reverse blackface. Yeah, it's reverse blackface, right? Because blackface is blackface with the white lips, right? Oh, 
Oh, okay. I see what you mean. I thought you meant like I thought you meant like I know I mean like negative blackface, I, <laughs> I guess. I thought you meant negative. I thought you were talking about like whiteface and I was like, well, I don't understand that at all. No. No, it wasn't a race thing. I was <laughs> I was literally talking about the act of a of blackface and what it looks like. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> it's reverse blackface. Yeah. Um uh... <laughs> I, I swear to God, I thought that's what you meant. I was just like, I don't get. No, that doesn't is. work. That the science does not check out. No, it does not check out. Science does not check out. It does not check out. Um, okay, so anyway, that's Remembrance of the Daleks. Uh, good times. Good great times. times. Great times. Yes. Uh, absolutely. So. Uh, so yeah. So that's Remembrance of the Daleks. Uh, before we move on. Uh, to our Series 5 revisit. I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by itcbservice.com, which is the website that lets you order all of your monthly comic books, statues, action figures. You can pre-order hardcovers and trades, uh, anything that you can get from a local comic book shop. You can pre-order from dcbservice.com. You place your orders uh, three months in advance with monthly discount specials up to 75% off, uh, some some like discount bundles of 50% off, and regular discounts of 40% off. Ship as often as you like with orders as large or small as you like. You only pay $6.95 for fly rate shipping. So thanks to DCBService.com. Go there and order things. Yes. Please. Um, all right. So uh, Series 5 comes to a close. Uh, ish with uh, Pandora opens uh, the Big Bang. I say ish because we're still talking about a Christmas Carol next next week, which isn't technically series five. It's technically episode six X is usually what they refer to it as. Um, uh, so it's technically the 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 uh, the not first episode of season six. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Which is weird. Uh, but anyway, so we're talking about Pandora Opens Big Bang. Uh, okay, so Matt, what are your what are your thoughts on – I guess do you, we want to – because they're so different. I feel like maybe we should talk about them separately um, sure. rather than as one story. Sure. Uh, so let's talk about it. Let's let's talk about Pandora. Uh, Matt, uh, I, what, what do you think? What – how do you feel about this? I, I love this. I love this story. And I've always loved this story. And watching it again just reminded me just how much this is everything that I want from a Stephen Moffat finale. Um, I, I can't. I just can't stop watching it. I think it's I think it's really exciting. It's big. It's epic in scope. It's also remarkably constrained. Um, the entire story basically takes place at Stonehenge and underneath Stonehenge, um, and that's I think really really cool. You just get some wide shots of some spaceships. Um, but no, I I think it's just I think it's brilliant, and I think it does everything that you can tell that it's a hungry Stephen Moffat. You can tell that it's a guy who is just like who had this idea in his head for a really long time. And the last ten minutes, man, I tweeted about it. I can't think of a better ten minutes in Doctor Who. Just like I think that there's stuff that's as good. There's stuff that gets me in different ways. But in terms of this, this is like one of my favorite ten minute bits in Doctor Who. I think it's just. I think it's just amazing. I think it's so I just I think it's so brilliant. I think it's so 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 brilliant. Um and I think it does 
everything I want for it to start to wrap up this season. Um, it's it's just great. It's just really, really great. That's my thoughts. Okay. Um, so I'm sorry in advance. Uh, I didn't like this that much. It's a I really didn't this time. I was watching it and I was... I I knew right from the start. I, I like right from the beginning. I was like, "Oh no." Uh and then as it went, it was just a runaway train of me being like, "Oh no." Cuz the last thing I wanted was to not like this anymore, and I kind of don't anymore. That's a bummer. That's a bummer. Um yeah, no. This didn't do anything for me anymore. Bummer. Uh mostly because I feel like it's a lot of missed opportunities. It's it's a lot of the same Moffat shtick that we've seen him do after this over and over and over again. Um, I feel like a lot of his future stuff has sort of ruined this story for me uh, because now we know his thing that he does is he's like, oh, remember all those stories we just did? Yeah, here's all those guys again. They're coming back. Here they are. <laughs> uh that's that's the thing he does now and, and with to little or, or no sense little to no sense um and uh, i mean didn't uh didn't uh didn't the android guy from victory of the daleks run away isn't that what he did why was he back in the in the bomb shelter i thought the same thing yeah um i i just i don't i i moffat ruined his own story for me um that's a bummer yeah even the last 10 minutes even the last 10 minutes which is which is such a cool last 10 minutes but then i thought of something that destroyed it for me only because it caught it made me realize what a giant missed opportunity this story was um in that the thing that I love about those last 10 minutes is you get that huge reveal that the Pandorica is empty and then it's actually meant to be a prison prison cube for the doctor. All of his foes have gotten together and, and aligned uh, themselves uh, in an effort to trap the doctor forever and save the universe. <sighs> My problem is that is such a cool idea and it's just... We literally, it's just like, here they all are. Yeah, that's cool, right? And we'll never talk about that again. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's a bummer to me. And I feel like it could have been it could have been so easily, uh, I guess, so easily brought full circle if it had turned out that this alliance of all of his past foes were the silence mm-hmm. and that, uh, you know, like think about it, like <laughs> the Pandora open si- silence will fall. Like it would have been perfect and tight and awesome. And then you could have even said like, these were the silence. Okay. Well, who put the silence together? And there's your mystery for series six mm-hmm. is who's responsible for it. Like, who did this? And, like, I, I just it, – it just bugs me because it's, like, the, the, the idea of that story being that tight is great. And I'm just so mad that it's not. I'm so mad that instead we go – this is just the beginning of a long, convoluted 
just uh, atrocity of continuity. Yeah. Uh, that we get over the course of the next season and a half. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, uh, it's just, it's like, it was all there, Moffat. It was all there. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, it kills me. It just kills yeah. me. Well, see, that's the thing that I noticed about this, too. And this was, I noticed this more in The Big Bang. Um, but this story, you, you like, if you're, if you're going to enjoy the story, you cannot consider anything that comes after this at all. Um, you have to take this on its merits as it aired in June 2010. Um, well, and that's another thing that I want to talk about because that was something else that I noticed. And it's that I feel like the big eventy Moffat stuff, Eleventh uh, uh, Hour notwithstanding, they don't hold up because Moffat writes for air date and not for repeat viewings. Mm-hmm. He everything that he writes, he's like, this will be really cool in the moment. Mm-hmm. And it usually is. Everything in this was so cool in the moment. I remember watching this and just screaming at my television when they threw him in that cube. Like, it was such an awesome, awesome ending. And when you're watching uh, The Big Bang and they're they're explaining away everything, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that really works. Okay, cool. But now, like, now I watch The Big Bang and I'm just completely unsatisfied by any of the all of the answers like none of it makes any sense all of it is just you know to 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 use a phrase that is been coined and overused ever since very timey-wimey uh just for the sake of being timey-wimey it really it makes no sense if there's no stars why does anybody know what stars are uh if like it just and that's just one little thing like i i can make a freaking list of everything that goes on in the big bang that makes no sense um none whatsoever but it's a thing where if you were to ask Stephen moffat his response would be like oh it's time travel miracles right magic (laughs) and i'm just i'm sorry but like that's not good enough be a better writer that's i i i demand more I just sure. demand more. And it's sure. a thing where I absolutely, when you watch it and you don't think about it, it's fine and it's entertaining and it's it's a fine episode. It is. And I loved this two-parter when it aired. Loved it. I've even loved it in subsequent viewings. But now at, now that we're, we're past the first half of Series 7 and I'm starting to realize all of the things – all of the very technical writing things that happen with a Moffat script. Now that I'm on to him, I'm seeing all of his little tricks everywhere and it's, it's ruining everything. <laughs> oh man, this is not the co- direction I thought this conversation was going to take. I know, <gasps> I know. And I knew it when I was watching him today. I just, I, I was like, oh no. So my I, question, my question yes. is, is how, how the hell, um, uh, uh, impossible astronaut day of the moon are going to play now. Uh, that's my question. Um, well, I think we can, I think we can, uh, revisit that at some point because you were not, uh, hosting those episodes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, oh, and because I didn't talk about this one, I'll just get it out of the way here. Curse of the Black Spot is not good at all. It's basically Stones of Blood with Pirates. Um, So we don't have to talk about that ever. Um, uh, But yeah, no, I see what you mean. And I and I find I don't 
I don't disagree. There are all of his tricks are here. The, the big splashy teaser that runs through the whole season. Um, all those things are, are, are true. But the thing that, the thing that strikes me most is that Moffat didn't learn from this story that you don't need to do it all in one episode. I find that this, the thing that strikes me about this is that it does take its time with what it's doing. Uh, Moffat nowadays would have just crunched this into 45 minutes, these two episodes. And like to that, to the detriment of that, like, can you imagine this just compressed? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know because I would almost argue. And I feel like he would argue that these aren't, this isn't really a two parter. Like it doesn't like they, they feel like such distinct, distinctly separate stories like they're linked by a cliffhanger but that's about it i can yeah. i mean i feel like i can make the argument that these are two very separate episodes whereas like you look at uh you look at uh uh the angel two-parter or the uh Impossible or the solarian two-parter uh those feel like one story told over two episodes this feels like two stories that just happen to have uh, uh, a middle that link the two. I, I I see that, but whenever I I don't know, maybe I'd have to watch this one solo and then like come back and watch Big Bang by itself. Um, but I I don't know. I feel like they're they're linked by different things. I think it's just that this takes a left turn that goes into a completely different direction halfway through. Um, which is not. I don't know. I I think that I think that. It almost feels like to me because this is this is very much a a, a British television thing where you don't a, a lot of shows don't end on cliffhangers uh, over mm-hmm. there like you have your cliffhanger and then you have your wrap up episode whereas like in American television you have you end on your cliffhanger and you come back and resolve the cliffhanger in the season premiere of the following season and I feel like that's kind of what this this that's what this feels like to me it's like it feels like uh, the end of one season, the beginning of another. Sure, I I see that. I so see that's that. I think that's why that's why I feel like they feel like two very distinctly different episodes. It might just be my my Americanism, uh, I guess my my tastes and the things that I'm used to rubbing off on it. I don't know, but yeah, that's well, and, that's and, what it is. That's what it is. I think. Mm-hmm. And tonally, they are remarkably different, and in terms of subject matter, they are remarkably different. But I think that, I don't know, it's just a different way of doing, like, a finale. It's much different than, like, say, uh, Moffat saying that uh, a good man goes to war and let's kill Hitler are a two-parter. Like, it doesn't feel nearly as divorced as that feels. But I do agree that it's um, it's not not perfect. Um, Or in terms of, like, you know, being perfectly linked like it just it does careen off into a completely different direction that it does feel like a a a slightly different story but i do link these two together in my head they are inextricable in my brain i can't ever put the pandorica opens by itself and the big bang by itself they're just they're together they always will be um as far as i'm concerned anyways um but i think that like i don't know i like I don't know. Looking at it, I just look I look at this story and I like the pace of it. I love that it's it's it moves very quickly in everything that it does. Um but it also takes time to have good moments and good beats about the characters. The, uh, the one of the reasons why the last 10 minutes is remarkable for me is because of uh, Amy and Rory having a conversation with each other. Amy coming to realize 
that her husband's still alive, her fiance's still alive, and Rory trying to fight off the autonism in him. Um, th- that stuff is really interesting to me, and watching the Doctor and River like play off of each other is really is really interesting like it just it takes its time it's not rocketing along at the relentless pace that Moffat stories tend to do now where there mm-hmm. is no time to breathe there is no space for the character moments um save I, I for- mean I I agree with that I think that there's a lot of good stuff here uh I just don't it's I feel like it's a lot of uh cool ideas that aren't just used to their full fruition. I just, I, I like, okay. Like I already talked about the, the Alliance of, of uh, Dr. Who villains. And you're right Uh, about that. Like you're absolutely right about that. um, But I also, it bugs me and I don't think it ever, I I don't think I ever noticed how much it bugged me or if I I mean, I should say like, I don't think I noticed that, or I don't think I ever really noticed or thought about it before, but you have this guy who doesn't eat, sleep, or rest for 2,000 years and guards this thing for 2,000 years. He's awake for 2,000 years. And it has absolutely zero effect on his personality. <laughs> I'm sorry. I can't buy that. I just can't. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a huge problem for me. Um and that's just and and it's just it's things like that where it's like it's like good idea bad execution good idea sure. bad it's a lot of stuff like that which which is better than bad idea bad execution but <laughs> uh you know i i just it 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 bugs me the the only thing that i'll say that i i will without a doubt say it's it's phenomenally well done um other than the cliffhanger even though the payoff sucks in my opinion uh, but in, in Big Bang, the whole, uh, uh, new old borrowed blue, that was brilliant. Brilliant. That was brilliant. That yeah. reveal. Brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, it's it, like, that's oh, just uh, that, that is so good. That is so good. And it's a thing where it's like, you just know, you just know he was like, well, I know the season needs to end with a wedding. Like that's that was probably like the first thing that he thought of because at some point in his life he went to a wedding and was thinking about that saying. It was like, oh, that sounds like the TARDIS. Oh, if I ever write for Doctor Who, I'm going to use that. <laughs> and you know, he just stuffed it away in his little moffety head and just sat on it for a long time. And when he got the show, the first thing he probably said to himself was like, "Well, I know how the season's going to end." <laughs> Yeah, because well, I got to bring he, that around. And what he does that's brilliant is like not just the something old borrowed uh, blue, new old borrowed blue is is he ties it into where the story has been going this whole time. I mean, he basically pays off the last shot of 11th hour in a great way. Like you at the end of it, you're promised this girl will, you know, admit that she's ready to n- take the next big step in her life. And she does like it's a great payoff, and like the new old borrowed blue just slots so perfectly right into there. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's, oh yeah, and it's and it's and it's great. And like the wedding, like the wedding scene, really, really got me this time. It hadn't before, but like watching her say no, I'm going to I'm going to remember the doctor is is a wonderful moment. And what's great about it is like. 
it, it it's Moffat magic, like Moffat being pure magic. He takes this idea that there's this girl who's special, right? Because whatever she thinks of, however she thinks of it, if it, she can make it happen. She can bring her parents back by wishing them back. She can bring Roy back by the intense longing of thinking about him. And it's this idea that, like, memories, like, so long as we exist with the people who have gone before us, um, and we can remember them, they live on through us, like, bringing that metaphor to life is, ridiculous like that's ridiculous i would never in a million years have thought to do that and the fact that moffat has never done anything that good again um (laughs) is sad um because it just shows you that like this guy can be so good when he tries like so good when he pushes for it um and that he doesn't is heartbreaking um it's because the Amy at the wedding is just great. Like, it's so great. So, so, so great. Um, mm-hmm. And it just ah, it gets me. It just gets me. Um, and it's nice. Like, it feels everything about, I don't know, everything about the ending feels very earned to me. They all went to the weird place. They all did what they needed to do. And I never realized that uh, all my complaining about the Wedding of River Song and how the doctor, you know, needed to willingly accept that he was getting too big and sacrifice his life eh, he did that here he did that here uh and it made me feel okay about it uh, mostly because all of that was shown and not told to me and did and felt remarkably earned in that in the way that it was done um and it made me hate season six a little bit more so <laughs> but no I, I i agree with everything like with a lot of what you're saying and i and i think that um I think that the, the 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 alliance of Doctor Who villains is an absolutely wasted concept, um, like so wasted. Like uh, watching it, like you get the visceral rush of seeing it happen, but that he doesn't do anything with it is impossibly disappointing. Im- like especially imp- considering, like especially considering, one, you'll never really be able to do that again. Oh, without, absolutely not. Without done. someone saying that you you took it from Moffat. Mm-hmm. And two, like, just the idea that – because here's the thing. In the history of Doctor Who as a whole, as a series, in its 50-year run, the, like, every episode has always been the same thing. The Doctor stumbles into – uh, into one of his foes doing something bad, he ruins it for them and then flies away. That's how it's always been. His his foes have always been reactionary. This is literally the only time they've ever been proactive against mm-hmm. the Doctor. Yeah. Because the whole thing is that they don't know when he's going to show up. That's mm-hmm. the whole thing. So for them to, like, come up with this trap and everything, it's brilliant. And then we never hear from them. It's just, ugh. It's the one time. It's the one time they've ever been proactive in the history of the show. And that's, that's, that's really, that's it? That's all we get. Well, it's, I think it's, I think it's most disappointing because, like, he comes up with that idea and then kind of already had an idea of what to do for the Big Bang and then just... Went and did that, and then the the alliance got dropped. Um, 
which is, I mean, it's just problematic. And then the alliance also becomes, because the, the, the alliance is not the silence, like you were uh, theorizing or said should have been the thing. Um, because it's not the silence, then it's like, okay, well, what was the silence actually planning? Because <laughs> their, their, their whole plan doesn't really work, does it? Um, it it's a whole lot of convolution, um, and it doesn't 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 work at all um Ugh. and that's it's a bummer like it's a real bummer because you can never do that shot again i mean thank god the shot exists um but you can't do it again like you just it's it's done it's done um and that's sad but you know 50 it took 50 years to do that that's insane that's so insane um F- 50 years for for his foes to be proactive against him yeah well and that's all we got they threw him in a box and walked away and he got out of it Due to uh, timey wimey business, <laughs> ugh. I'm sorry, but it's a bot. Ugh, just ugh. Makes no <laughs> sense. It makes no sense. I hate. Like, no, he's trapped in a box. He can't get himself out of the box. He is trapped in. Time travel doesn't work like that, Moffat. <laughs> <laughs> he can't be out. He can't just be out of the box. And get himself out of the box. Like, it just... It, it works in the same way that Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban works. I mean, in order for Harry to uh, 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 survive the Dementor attack at the end of that story, he has to, you know, attack the Dementors from afar. Like, it's just... It's one of those... It's the concept of, like, all time is circular. Like, it's the it's the blink effect. Like... Otherwise, Blink doesn't work at all. Like, you just have to, like, you have to understand that that's, like, the Moffat way of doing time travel. And it's a way of doing time travel that is, I don't know, I like that version. Um, I like the, I like the, the circularness of it that all, that events, that effect pre, effect precedes cause and cause precedes effect. Like, those things are completely interchangeable. I'm fine with it as long as they're not looping on each other. I, I guess uh, like looping on themselves. I don't, I don't like that. That I don't like, like it's fine when it's like that. As long as the, the person involved, isn't the person doing it. Like then it make then, then I can't justify it in my head. I just can't. I suppose I, I, I suppose he's in it- the box. He's in the box. He can't get out of the box. Who lets him out of the box? He does. Rory it doesn't make any sense. Box. Rory lets him out of the box. No, Rory doesn't let him out of the box. He lets him out of the box. He gives Rory the sonic screwdriver that lets him out of the box. In order for him to give him the sonic screwdriver, he has to be out of the box. Who let him out of the box? Himself he, from the future. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. I'm but sorry, he, but no. But he gets out of the box because he was always out of the box. Like, that's the way that the time travel works. Like, it's one of those things you just kind of have to go with. Like, there's no explanation. Like, and if you go that, then it's like, then you won't like it. And that's, that's fine. That's your right to not like it. But it's just like, you have to buy into the conceit a little bit. But besides the fact that it's time travel. (laughs) (sighs) I'm sorry. I, 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 I get it. I understand. I go with it and I don't care. Like, I go with it and I don't care. That's right. People listening at home, I went with something and I didn't care. Um, so people who say I need to lighten up know that I ate it up with a spoon. I ate up this whole episode with a spoon and I loved it. Um, I did not. Yeah. No one's perfect. Um, (laughs) one of the things I have to mention, um, uh, because 
I love them. Um, the first time I ever watched this, I mean, I was sitting in bated breath on this whole episode the whole time. Um, <laughs> the, the reveal of Autons in this is probably my favorite use of Autons in the history of the series. I'll just say that. Um, when when they drop their torches and their hands drop, the first time I saw this, I screamed. And the computer was on my lap and I was watching with two friends. I screamed, oh my god, they're Autons. And one of my friends had no idea who Autons were. And the other one was like, <gasps> like it was, uh, it was awesome. And I love... I love the use of Autons here. And honestly, uh, they made a huge mistake by not keeping Rory an Auton. I'll, I'll just say that. I'll just say that. Oh, Rory, way more interesting as an Auton than as a human. Yeah, but then he couldn't go on to uh, make a little river there because that all made sense so well. Oh, oh, God, don't get me started on that. That was... Uh, uh, oh, maybe <laughs> if only river was part Auton, right? Oh, God. Now, here's the thing. This is when I literally had to just give up on on making the story make sense in terms of future context. Moffat can tell me that Amy and Rory were always the parents of River. Clearly, by this point, he needed to, to have made a decision, and he didn't, because River has no fracking idea who Rory is. And b- before anyone says, oh, well, that's because he went through the crack, it's like, no. R- Rory was never a part of River's life. Rory, River, is a tri- River is a time traveler. River should know who Rory is done there there is no rational explanation for that so but so it's just like it's just like wow that could have been the biggest hit in the world but no Moffat had to drop it in at the end of uh, good man goes to war and be like no that's the way it goes and it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense um nope nope it's it's not good um (laughs) sorry guys i'm sorry i'm a curmudgeon that's right. I still I still love this. Before everyone says that we don't like things, just know that I still love this. I think that this is one of my favorites in the whole season. I believe that. Um, yeah, no. And I, I could watch this again right now. I'll, I'll be honest. I could watch this again right now and be okay and still enjoy it because your criticisms do not work on me. See, criticisms do not harm my love of the show. They do not. So I'm sorry if my criticisms harm your love of the show, listener, gentle, fair listener. Um, I don't. I don't think it does. I think it just makes them angry. Well, let um, them eat cake. Let them eat cake. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm sorry that I don't like that, but I think that this is. Uh, that's I, I'm. I'm afraid to revisit. Um, uh, to revisit the beginning of series six. Uh, although I will be, I'll be honest. I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid. And in fact, looking forward to revisiting a Christmas Carol because I can't, I can't imagine how that could possibly be solid. That's such a good story. Well, um, uh, I can still listen to Abigail's song and cry. So it, it, it works. It works. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I just don't like, uh, I find that I do not, I am not a fan of Moffat doing mythology. That's, that's what I'm not crazy about, I think. So, <laughs> well, I don't, uh, I don't like I, his, I, I don't like his idea of mythology. I just don't, I don't like it. Have I got bad news for you, my friend? <laughs> He's the showrunner. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Oh, one, also, one uh, day he won't be. One day, one day, one day he will not be because no one's immortal, not even Stephen Moffat. The one other thing I'll mention about this: um, uh, best use of Amy Pond ever. I'll just say that outside of Girl Who Waited, I 
forgot how much they actually cared about Amy in series five. And then later she just became a baby delivery system. Um, <laughs> uh, I forgot how much I liked her and this, I think mm. uh, f- farewell, Amy Pond. We hardly knew ye. We hardly knew ye. Farewell. Hmm. <laughs> Cause this is, this is so much better than anything that happened in series seven and everything that happened to her in series six outside of girl who waited. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Girl who waited is still the, uh, the pinnacle um for me and i think uh probably 11th hour after that um i mean i like this uh with her i think my biggest issue with her in this is that other than like it's weird because it's like it's like a have her cake and eat it too sort of thing um where she's like uh where it's like, okay, well, we have to move Amy into. Uh, she has to. She has to. She has to accept that she needs to go move on to the next step in her life, and she has to do that by getting married, and and that will grow her up, and yada yada. My problem is that this guy waited two thousand years for her, uh, protecting her in this thing, and you're like, oh, that's really sweet and romantic, and and obviously he, she's gonna be she's gonna want to be with him, and that's. That's great. And she's like, yeah, I do want to be with you. We're going to get married. They get married. Uh, all as well. It ends well. Except as soon as she calls the doctor back and the doctor walks through the door, he, she's like already like trying to kiss him. And like it, I just it just like horribly flirting in front of him. And it just feels like we've got we went nowhere with her character from from a very uh, base uh, character thing. Whereas like yeah. th- this was that that whole idea of her flirting with the doctor was was uh, supposed to be thematically relevant to her not being able to stick with Rory uh, because there's no sense of adventure with him or whatever. Uh, what she just she has an issue with being like stuck in one place and she feels like Rory is responsible for that. But if that's if that's the case and we're trying to move her on and show her that she can move on with Rory but still get the adventure that she wants, like we don't do that by having her choose Rory and then still want to make out with the doctor. Like that just it's uh, no. Yeah, that never bothered me before. But like watching it this time, I was like, ooh, bad move. Like, oh, I it it was it made me cringe. It really made me cringe. Yeah. Where I was like, I was like, oh, this is, I forgot about, like, I love the emotional catharsis of this. And then she's like, you may definitely kiss them. I was like, oh, no. Really? I forgot time, about that. Time, time for one more snog in the bushes. And he's like, oh, Amy. And she's like, and she's like, she's like, what? It's my wedding. It's like, that's the point. Uh, where and are it's, you right and, it, and it's the thing where it's like, we then... We then like move on to series six and they're like, oh, yeah, no, we're not done with that emotional catharsis because now uh, Rory. Yeah, he married her, but he's still always second guessing her where her alliance uh, or allegiances lie like. And then we it takes us halfway through that season to finally be like, oh, he's with her and he trusts her. I'm like, no, they are married. That's done. We're done with that story. Like. Don't drag that out. That's bad. Yeah. Like it, it just it makes it look like they have a really terrible marriage and a terrible relationship. 
which kind of kills the catharsis of the marriage for me. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's the thing is like is like Moffat, uh, and this is why this is like the season five is like the moratorium on how on like the goodness of the Moffat era. But the, it's the idea that like Moffat comes up with this great idea for the idea of a couple that's married that gets married and this girl who like runs away, and then like. He ha- he has no idea what to do with it. And instead of doing the sensible thing, which is like, well, I guess my brain is telling me that I'm done with this idea. He tries to push it into a new direction and then kind of rolls back the clock on it in ways that are, you know, wholly inappropriate and not believable. And then assumes that that's okay. And the reason for that is because Moffat is a com is like a sitcom writer where like every episode of Coupling is essentially interchangeable, um, more or less. Like you can kind of watch it in any order and be mostly okay. Um, right. And, like, it's this idea that, like, you know, there is no sense of progression. And the thing that, like, that's the big difference between the Davies era and the Moffat era is, like, look at Rose. With Rose and 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 the Ninth Doctor, they push, at, they push that as far as they can possibly take it. And then in the Tenth, with the Tenth and Rose, they push it into a new direction. Ninth and Rose is very much like a... a um, like a like a but like a budding friendship, um, as we've talked about. Whereas with the tenth and rose, it's a romantic relationship. Now, you and I have talked also about whether or not that works. Uh, you think it doesn't work? I think it mostly works. Um, but at least it push it does something different with the character. It pushes her into a new direction. Mm-hmm. What Amy was never allowed to do is progress past this point. Um. Even all the way to the very end of their tenure, they're still dealing with the fact that they want to be together and and what that means to them. Like, no, that's really settled here. You don't need to show me another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, you know, 20 episodes on top of that. And it's just like, it's just like, why bother? Like, then you're just wasting my time. Like, do something new. And that's the thing that I'm really looking forward to with the snowman is like, at least then we might have something new. You know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. at least this new companion will be something new for Moffat to explore. Whether or not that's what I'm, I'm, I'm really wanting to give Moffat the benefit of the doubt with the snowmen Mm -hmm. because what I'm hoping for is through the course of these uh, two and a quarter seasons, uh, he's realized the mistakes that he's made and hopefully learned from them and realized what he can and can't do with the show and how long certain things should go on for and and everything. And, like, hopefully he tied all of that stuff in a ni- nice little bow so he doesn't have to go back to it. We're starting comp- – like, other than River as a character, we're starting completely fresh with the snowmen uh, with no ties to anything that came mm-hmm. before it. I mean, mm-hmm. really, little to no ties at this point. Um, other than River, and again, the thing that makes River kind of cruddy isn't it, that that's gone. So, because we don't have a link to her parents, so when she comes back again, it's just going to be River with none of that baggage. Um, so, even with River, like everything is sort of, uh, you know, a brand new page. Uh, and hopefully he learned that show running is more than just letting people do what they want and hoping that it all turns out good. Um, Fingers crossed. That's, that's what I'm hoping. I'm really hoping I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. I really do. And I am too. I was reading a review once where someone was like, they could tell that Moffat ran out of interest in the pawns and that like what you see in asylum of the Daleks is Moffat finding a shiny new toy and being like, 
Ooh. Um, because the Clara stuff is the best part of Asylum. Um, mm-hmm. and like I'm wondering if that's the thing that you mean Oswin. Sorry, Oswin. Spoilers. Um. <laughs> Well, uh, maybe not spoilers. Who knows? Maybe not I mean, spoilers. I have. I don't know. It could be. It could be her cousin who died in the building. Yeah, um, I have. I have no idea. I honestly, I have no idea. I have not looked up too much, and I don't know anything about what's coming. Um, but, uh, but it is. It is something that's worth noting. Like the pawns were really the albatross around Moffat's neck more than just about anything. Um, mm-hmm. and and I think I think the big issue with that too is that. With the Moffat era came a newfound fandom for Doctor Who. Like, Doctor Who is bigger than it's ever been, ever, in the history of the show. Uh, And I think that the BBC was... uh, I think they're nervous about introducing the things to this new audience, uh, uh, specifically the new American audience, I think they're 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 afraid of of introducing the aspects of Doctor Who as a series that has made it last as long as it has because let's face it American audiences are not used to things changing. <laughs> they're just not. They're used to a show having a cast that stays on it for 5 to 10 seasons and then the show ends forever. That's what they're used to. So to have you know, uh, 20, no, 30, 30, 31 stories, 31, 31 episodes with one cast. And then now that changing and possibly even changing the main character as soon as next year. That's a lot of change for Mm -hmm. American audiences to uh, sort of understand and grasp hold of. And I think they're afraid of losing that American audience. Because, I, you know, sure. I can only imagine uh, it's been really fun for them to monetize it. I can only imagine. <laughs> yeah, the money the money is rolling in right now. Like, it, is, <laughs> it is doing very well. Right. Um, and from a business standpoint, I could see BBC being like, can you, can you hold on to the pawns just a little bit longer than you probably should? Um, and, you know, as a showrunner, that's sort of his responsibility to do what the network wants. So... I mm-hmm. could understand that, and I almost want to give him the benefit of the doubt. So now, with this with this new page, with this with this completely like fresh new start, I'm really hoping that he pulls out all the stops. Mm-hmm. And and like in his defense, I mean, like I haven't liked series seven so far, but I didn't like the divorce. But at least the divorce is trying to do something new with them. Um, mm-hmm. And I and I and I do appreciate that. What new did he do with them in Angels? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but but there is there is an attempt to try and do something new with the characters. Like introducing Rory's dad is an interesting dynamic. I mean, in theory, um, trying to do an episode that's just about them and their relationship without the Doctor is an interesting idea. Um, I don't know what the hell was going on in uh in uh Toby Whithouse's episode in terms of them. Um, but it wasn't them. Um, I don't think anything. Uh, and yeah, or at all. I think Rory had like what two lines. Um, yeah, the, problematic, like probably probably problematic. But you know, there is the indication that he was trying to do something interesting with them. It's just like it wasn't enough, and what he picked wasn't interesting, and it wasn't very well done. Um, and that's problematic, and problematic, and a bummer. Um, but yeah, no, hopes for the so- hopes for the snowman, hopes for it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um. So yeah, that's. I'm so uh, sad you didn't like it, man. I'm so sad. Uh, I'm sad. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to. I don't know what to say. I was. I was. I was. I. I. I was afraid of recording this episode. <laughs> that explains. After I the- watched them, I was like, I just was like. Oh, God, Scott, what are you doing? How can you not be liking this? Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, I was so hard on myself, but, like, I knew I had to come in here and be honest because anything less would feel disingenuous. (laughs) It wouldn't garner us any more one-star reviews, so thank you for uh, putting another bullet through our foot on that one. Um (laughs) <laughs> but uh, and I think I think that's fair, and I, I, I that that explains why you didn't respond to any of my text messages. And um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's that's fine. I don't I don't I don't blame you. I wouldn't. I if if I have a if I have a discordant thought that I'd rather talk about on the show, I wouldn't have responded either. I just wasn't expecting it, so it kind of blindsided me. Um, but, but yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, next week, Abominable Snowmen and A Christmas Carol, which probably has a snowman or two in it. Or something. <laughs> uh, there's snow. There is snow in oh, both of them. Oh, so much snow. And sharks. And sharks. Oh, right. Sharks. <laughs> Christmas sharks. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, uh, so yeah, that and then uh, Snowmen. Well, we should we should be putting that out around the twenty sixth or twenty seventh or so, not too much later than that. Um, yeah, right after it airs. Like yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we're gonna take uh, then we're gonna take a week or two off and come back with Ambassadors of Death. Yeah, Ambassadors of Death. That's the plan. That is oh, the plan. Man. In oh, the meantime, man. though, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Twitter.com/slash Scott Corelli. Uh, also Scott commentary where I live tweet things haven't done so recently, but, uh, that's probably going to change, uh, because uh, I'm going to have a week off and I'm sure I'll be watching things. So look for live tweeting of some sort. Um, also, uh, the mind robbers, check that out. Our other podcast, it's our flagship podcast. Cause as you know, our website is mindrobber.net so it's our flagship podcast the mind robbers it's matt and i uh we talk a lot like this um only about other things that aren't doctor who uh we talk about what we've been watching what we've been reading uh what we've been listening to just just about like any sort of entertainment we've been consuming uh we discuss and uh, break it apart, put it back together, because that's the things that we like to do, because we want to be professional writers. So this is all practice for that. Um, and stuff that we're working on. And stuff Soon. that we're working on, which is uh, something we're going to talk about probably in our next episode. Um, broadly. Very broadly. Yes, very broadly. Yes. Uh, we'll talk about it more in depth like when, when it comes out. Uh, I think we'll, we, we should have like a... Like a some sort of like commentary thing or something, um, yeah. a commentary style thing because it's not really a commentary because uh, you can't really uh, do a commentary on something that you read. Uh, and now we're turning the page that that first panel right there. But yeah, so check check out his part. Um, check out the mind uh, robbers uh, <laughs> and listen to us uh, do that uh, or not do that. Probably the, not do that. This, but this listen to us talk had about a, things. Had a coloring issue. Um, the first. Um, time anyway. Uh, <laughs> anyway. 
Uh, make Matt, the yellows a little where more Where can yellowy. people find you? You can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash gungadin. You can also find me on my alternate Twitter account, twitter.com slash gdcommentary, where I live tweet my stuff. That is things <laughs> that I watch. Normally, it's just a random idea or thing about whatever I'm watching so I don't spam your Twitter feed. Unless you're following me, in which case, you're, you're getting spammed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, my blog, classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com. Uh, which is which is over almost. Um, I'm I'm in the literally the last bit of it. I have I, a couple more. I'm actually um I just posted Inferno. Uh, I posted uh, Brain of Morbius, which means that I'm wrapped on the fourth Doctor and the third Doctor. Um, and as you're listening to this right now, I'm actually about halfway through writing uh, the fifth Doctor story, of The Caves of Androzani. And if you've ever heard me talk about it in passing, <laughs> and you've wanted to know more. Ah! You should check out my entry on it because I'm halfway <laughs> through and it's at 4,500 words. So I want to uh, read that. Which oh god, I was like I was reading it and I was like about a thousand words in and I was just like, and I haven't even gotten to this other character yet. I think I realized what I'm gonna do. I think because I've been wanting to rewatch Caves, so I think what I'm gonna do is I'm going to watch it and I'm going to watch an episode, then read your entry, then watch the next episode and read your entry. That sounds like a fun six hours. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be six hours. Uh, it's taken a long, a lot longer than I thought it would. But it's, I don't know, I think it's one of the best entries I've done in a long time, possibly ever. The last bit on the first, the first, like, I wrote the first episode and I felt really proud of myself. Um, and I'm not above tooting my own horn. Like, I got to the, I got to, like, I figured out what the last line was about two paragraphs before the end. And I was like, oh, that's good. Um, because <laughs> it brought the whole episode full circle. Um, uh, is Caves of Androzani as good as you remember it? No, it's better. Uh, that's the basic con- like consensus on this story. I'm halfway through it. I'm like, oh no, this is the best Doctor Who story ever. Uh, and then Power of the Daleks, which should be out supposedly on Christmas Day. I don't want to have to be working on it after Christmas Day, but so long as it's done by the end of the year, I'm going to be okay with it. Um, because <laughs> life, life is busy. Um. And, uh, that's that's where you can find me on the internet. Um, the blog's almost over. I'm gonna buy champagne. <laughs> That'll be good. That'll be good. Wish I could drink it with you. I'll get my own champagne. <laughs> yes, do that. <laughs> I'll get my own champagne. We'll do Skype. I'm I'm, I'm clinking my glass right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Skype has a video function. It's uh, so I'll toast my camera. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Let's go. end this. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll just break the champagne bottle over my laptop. I said end it like a boat. <laughs> and with that, let's go ahead and pull this show into the harbor. <laughs> Bye, guys. We'll see Bye. you next week with the snowmen and or the abominable snowmen. <laughs> Abominable snowman. I was fine with shortening it until I realized that's what the next, that's what the Christmas special is called. The abominable oh, snowman and a Christmas carol. Kill it. All right. It's dead. Bye, guys. Bye.